Good morning, everyone. Happy Independence Day. Happy Patriots Day. Happy Fourth of July. Um, it's good that we can gather today and freely worship Jesus, King Jesus. Um, so thanks for coming out this morning. And I hope you guys have just a, a day of uh, rest and maybe time with family or friends or um, or maybe it's just normal, just going about. But even, you know, right now it's just we can give thanks, God, for this day. Um, yeah, and so something that we're going to be talking about today is we're going to be talking about marriage and divorce. And, um, and so when we think about the general culture that we live in, you know, what is their view of marriage these days? And I'd say a lot of the view out there is that marriage is just unimportant, that it's kind of, uh, you know, some, it's for some people, not for me. Or, or, you know, there's other views that it's actually dangerous, that marriage is, is dangerous or stupid because you're, like, locking yourself together with one person for the rest of your life. Like, why would I do that? Like, it, it makes no sense. What happens if I fall out of love with them or, or you know, they, they don't please me anymore or, you know, there's someone else now that I, I, I like a lot and I want to go be with them. And so in our culture where sexual relationships are very casual, it can become, you know, marriage can become looked down upon. And, and so that's kind of the culture we're living in today. And, um, and it, it, you know, it's, it's uh, from, you know, I would say it's not good, but, you know, who am I? Who am I to say that? And really, it's, we have to ask the question of, well, what is God's view on these topics? Because if we don't consider God's view, then people can live their lives however they want, right? Other than, you know, hurting other people. But in general, you can live your life however you want. Just live for your own happiness. And if you build a family with someone and have kids with them, and after five, ten years, you decide to just, you're gone, you just leave them, well, if you're living for your own happiness, that might be the best thing for you to do. But it, it, it should pain our hearts to hear that because we understand how damaging that is to the loved ones you leave behind when you just break marriage, break relationship, and leave. And I think that's, too, how God's view is. So we feel in our hearts, but, but now let's, you know, let's, we're, today we're, we're going to consider, okay, what's, what's God's view on this topic? What's the scripture have to say on that? And... Another thing I want to mention, too, is with this topic of, uh, you know, divorce, um, we'll be talking about that, adultery, sexual morality. All these are, are heavy sins. And what, what can we do? What can we do if we've committed these sins or we're a victim of these sins? Well, the, the thing we can do, friends, is we can look to Jesus because Jesus, he rose from the dead. He died for all these sins. He died for the adulterers. He died for those who divorced. He died for the sexual immoral. He died for the liars, for the drunkards, for the haters. Jesus died for all these. And he rose again from the cr cross, and he says, Come to me, all who are weary. Come to me, I'll give you rest. Come to me, I'll forgive you of your sins. And so that's... That's where our hope is in all of this, is that Jesus has risen from the dead. Jesus is alive, and, he, and, he, and, and God has spoken. God has spoken. His word is active and alive today. 
And, and so we, we can draw near to God and find forgiveness for all of our sins, but also truth. And so that's what I, I hope we'll be able to do today. And so if you'll join me, uh, please pull out your Bibles to Mark 10, um, verse 1 through 2. That's what we'll be reading today. So Mark chapter 10, verses 1 and 2. And, and he left there and went to the region of Judea and beyond the Jordan. And crowds gathered to him again, and again, as was his custom, he taught them. And the Pharisees came up in order to test him and asked, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? He answered them, What did Moses command you? They said, Moses allowed a man to write a certificate of divorce and send her away. And Jesus said to them, Because of the hardness of your hearts, he wrote you this command. But from the beginning of creation... Uh, God made them male and female. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What, therefore, God has joined together, let no man separate. And in the house, the disciples asked him again about this matter. And he said to them, Whoever divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery against her. And if she divorces her husband and marries another, she commits adultery. Um, so let's pray real quick. Uh, Father, thank you uh, for your word. Thank you for bringing us here this morning. Um, open our eyes. Prepare our hearts to receive from you your truth. Um, and help me, Lord, just deliver your truth and um, to the best of you know, my ability um, as your spirit uh, helps me and equips me. And I believe you have. And so, yeah, Lord, uh, yeah, be with us as you promised. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so I think a good starting point is to ask the question, what is marriage the way God intends? And we see Jesus kind of do this. You might have, when he was speaking, when he was talking to the Pharisees, it might have uh, sounded familiar what he was saying. And that's because he was quoting from Genesis 2. Uh, 22 through 25, and there it says, and the, and the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Then the man said, this at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. So, so what is it that we see here? Well, we see that, that before the fall, before sin, God made man, and then he took from man, he like cleaves him in half, and then he made Eve. And he, and he presented to Adam and he said, look, here's your wife. And he rejoiced in that. And, and this is the first marriage, them coming together, them coming together sexually, them coming together to bear children one day. And, and when it says that... Um, hold fast, right? That's where we get this idea of, like, you shouldn't separate it. It should be for life. Um, and so, so we, we, we see that. And um, then when we also, another passage that helps us see more just about uh, this, this one flesh sexual relationship, you know, this one family union between man and woman, um, Ephesians 5, 31 through 33, uh, Paul, he also quotes this passage from Genesis and he uses it to teach that marriage is a picture of how Christ loves the church and that the church is the bride of Christ. 
And so I'll just read part of it. It says, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I'm saying that refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. And, and so, so, yeah, so this is where we learn a, a big part of it, that this is a picture. Marriage is a picture of Christ loving the church. And uh, another, another, just another passage, too, that is helpful for this conversation is Hebrews 13.5 says, uh, well, when we read he, he, Hebrews 13.5, it talks about how we're t- told to keep the marriage bed undefiled, to guard it, that the marriage should not be transgressed against sexually. And so that includes people inside and outside. Um, but yeah, like when we, when we look at all that together, marriage is supposed to be a lifelong sexual relationship between one husband, one wife, one man, one woman, and, and that God, he's going to judge the sexual moral and the adulterers. Um, and yeah, and that, that, that is, that's the ideal. That's, that's what God created. That's what we're supposed to aim for. And so now with that, we can ask the question, well, what's divorce? And just to give a basic definition, divorce is the formal dissolution of a marriage covenant when the husband and wife cease being married. And, and so, so is, this, is this biblically permitted? Is this, is this good? Um, is, this, is this allowed? Uh, these, these are just some of the hard questions we have to wrestle with. And, um, and, and you know, I, I'll start out by just kind of explaining some of the main views on this topic that, that godly men and women hold. Um, and so the area that everybody agrees on is that, that God's marriage ideal is what we should always aim for. And that marriage is held high in divorce, even if it is permissible, it should be kind of like a last resort type of thing. That if two people can reconcile the differences, if there can be repentance of sin, then we want to hold the marriage. Because that was God's design. Don't separate it, you know? And so there's that. And then the other thing everybody agrees on when we talk about this conversation is that, that death is one reason that marriages end. And there's no sin. There's, that's, that's clear grounds the marriage is over and you're free to remarry. Um, so everybody agrees about that. Um, the disagreement comes in is when, you know, outside of death, okay, if there's some kind of sin going on in the marriage and there's divorce, how do we make of that? Um, and so the three, the three positions are, uh, the first one is the position it's never legitimate to divorce and therefore it's never legitimate to remarry as long as the former spouse is alive. So that's, that's one view. Never divorce, never remarry, as long as the one spouse is alive. Second view, sometimes it's legitimate divorce, and, but, but never remarry as the former spouse is still alive. So sometimes divorce, but never remarry. Um, and then the third view is, sometimes it's legitimate divorce, and sometimes it's legitimate to remarry. And that would be when the divorce is le- itself is legitimate. Like, there's biblical grounds for it. So you can divorce, you can remarry sometimes. Within, within that last group, where they think there's some legitimate biblical reasons to divorce, they will uh, differ on what some of those reasons are. And so the one group will say that there's only maybe one or two reasons for divorce, and biblically, and that would be 
in a case of adultery or a case of desertion. And um, adultery, you know, having sex with someone who's not your wife, sexual morality with someone that's not your spouse. Desertion, a clear example of that is just somebody's physically leaving the marriage with the intent of abandonment. That, that would be desertion. Um, it, it can be expanded more to that, but that, those are the clear ones. And so the other ones, they, they agree with that, but they'll just add to it. They don't see the, it being exclusive to only those two reasons, but they think they'll, they'll also see that if there's any sins that rise to those kind of levels where the marriage covenant's broken, that would also be biblical grounds for divorce. And so an example of that would be in a case of physical abuse. Um, that, that could be a clear example. They would say, hey, this has violated the marriage covenant. Um, this one plus union, it's, it's, it's broken with this physical abuse going on. Um, yeah, and, and when you get to those kind of situations, it, it just takes wisdom. It's like, okay, like, like this, it's not clear. It's not clearly like adultery. It's not clearly uh, desertion. But there's some serious sin going on here. And so that's where it takes wisdom and counsel to see, okay, has, has the marriage covenant been broken? Is this grounds for divorce? So as you can see, this can be a t- complex topic. This is why it's hard to preach through. It's hard to teach on. And there's these different views. Um, and, there, and also keep in mind, there's, there's room for disagreement. Because the scriptures that we're, we're, we're dealing with, it's, you can read them honestly in different ways or like how you piece it together it's hard to do it and so there's there's legitimate ground for disagreement here and it's just each group they're trying to figure out okay what has God said how can we be faithful to what God said um and so you know another point too is just this is a reminder of how important theology is we're all little mini theologians because we all have to wrestle with these things because they affect major parts of our life um so this stuff is important and, you know, I, I am by no means an expert. Uh, I, I have been studying this a little bit in seminary right now. Uh, I've been studying this to just, you know, prepare for the sermon. Um, and, you know, thankfully I have a general, like, position now. Like, I, I, have, I feel confident, like, hey, this is what the Word says. But I'm not an expert. So, so please don't look to me an expert. But I'm going to try to show you, hey, here's one way that we can understand this topic. And so, for me, right now, I'm persuaded, uh, I'm in the third group, that sometimes there's legitimate grounds for divorce and for remarriage. Um, like, the, you know, the case of adultery, desertion, abuse, and, you know, and some others that break the marriage covenant. And so, that's, that's kind of the, the position I'm on. And so, with all that being said, um, I'm gonna, we're going to talk a little bit more about Mark 10 and see what's going on there. And so... In verse 2, it says that the Pharisees came up to him in order to test him. And so what does that mean? Well, the testing means that they're seeking to trap him. They're trying to obtain information that can be used against him to catch him in a mistake. And so Jesus, when he's talking, when he's giving this teaching about marriage and divorce, he's not talking to a spouse that who is, is grieving and, and is hurt or people that are stuck in sinful situations. He's talking to enemies, people that are trying to to track, trap him into, you know, a, a theological position that, you know, makes him look bad. And, uh, and often when Jesus is talking to the Pharisees, we see that he doesn't always answer their question, or at least maybe not directly. And so we see that happening here too. So 
they ask this question, hey, is it lawful to ever divorce your wife? And he, he says, he shifts the conversation by first asking, what did Moses command you? And they respond by quoting basically Deuteronomy 24, 1 through 4. And in there, um, it talks about um, if there's uh, some kind of indecency that, you know, the wife has done, write her a certificate of divorce and send her away. And, and so that's, that's kind of their response to this question. Well, okay, what is Ma- Moses commanded? And so Jesus, then he shifts it and says, hey, before we talk about that, let's talk about marriage. What did God intend? Because you guys are focusing on the divorce aspect and how to do the divorce biblically. But let's first talk about marriage there. And, uh, and so, you know, what, what is this kind of this conversation that is going on here? What are the different views that these, uh, these Pharisees are having? They're trying to get them trapped up in. And, going on, and what was happening during this time is that uh, there's, there's kind of two schools of thought about Deuteronomy 24 about what does it mean when, uh, we, when it says indecency as grounds for divorce to write the certificate center away. And so uh, the minority view at the time followed uh, Shammai's belief that, with, um, that it was talking about the, when it's talking about indecency, it was talking about adultery. And so adultery made it mandatory, like you need to divorce your wife. Um, the other view, uh, they followed Hillel's train of thought and his teachings, and that, that was the majority view at the time, Hillel's view, which was indecency means adultery in anything else. If you are displeased with your wife for any reason, then you can divorce your wife. And that's kind of like what I think is going on in our culture today. It's such a low view of marriage that, yeah, if you just fall out of love with your wife, you're free to just leave, like just divorce. You haven't done anything wrong. You're not in love with them anymore. Yeah, you can leave. And so, so there's just like, you know, people would leave the marriages over, over nothing. And, um, and so they also, too, another passage, and we'll kind of look at this. It was uh, Exodus 21, uh, verse uh, 10. And in there it talks about how uh, with a, if a man has a, a second wife who's a slave, um, that if you're not providing for her basic uh, things like food and shelter and marital rights that she's free to, to leave. And so everyone during this time period, they all, they didn't question that. They were just like, they all, they all agreed that there are legitimate grounds for divorce. Like if you're married to someone and you treat them worse than a slave, like you're not even providing for them food, then, and they're dependent on you that way, like they, they're free to leave the, the marriage and, and, and uh, remarry someone else who will provide for them, the, the woman in that case. And so, so when Jesus is talking to these people, they already knew there was legitimate grounds for divorce biblically, but the one they question, is there more than just adultery? Can, can it just be anything, or is it just adultery? Um, and so that's, that's kind of what we're stepping in here. And, uh, and so we, we read this, this passage about Mark, where Jesus is, is quoting from Genesis and saying, hey, what God has joined together, let not man separate. The parallel passage in the Gospels to this account in Mark is in Matthew 19, and in verse 9, uh, Matthew helps us, us readers today, we're a little bit displaced from that. He provides uh, a verse that says, um, when Jesus says, uh, you know, don't separate, he says, 
And I say to you, whoever divorces his wife except for sexual morality and marries another commits adultery. And so, so we have Matthew, he provides us this exception clause that, you know, for cases where, you know, sexual morality or adultery is happening, then that, that would also be grounds. And so Jesus lined up with more like the minority view, which is shocking to the hearers, right? Um, and it's, it's not exact because, you know, Jesus was just saying, hey, it's permissible. But, but it's just shocking for the hearers, like, wow, like, Jesus is saying, like, God has a really high view of marriage and divorce, not, not something to be taken lightly. So, um, so that, that, that is a kind of like on Mark, but that's not the only section that we have that talks about this topic of marriage and divorce. Another important passage to look at is 1 Corinthians 7. So if you want to turn there, it's uh, 1 Corinthians 7. Um, and the main verse we're looking at are verses uh, 10 through 16, and also verse 39. But uh, 1 Corinthians 7, 10 through 16, 39. It says, To the married I give this charge, not I but the Lord. The wife should not separate from her husband, but if she does, she should remain unmarried or else be reconciled to her husband. And the husband should not divorce his wife. To the rest I say, not I but the Lord, that if any brother has a wife who's unbeliever, and she consents to live with him, he should not divorce her. If any woman has a husband who is an unbeliever, and he consents to live with her, she should not divorce him. For the unbelieving husband is made holy because of his wife, and the unbelieving wife is made holy because of her husband. Otherwise, your children will be unclean, but as it is, they are holy. But if the unbelieving partner separates, let it be so. In such case, the brother or sister is not enslaved. God has called you to peace. How do you know, wife, whether you shall save your husband? Or how do you know, husband, whether you will save your wife? Husband, and then verse 39, if we jump down to that, uh, a wife is bound to her husband as long as he lives. But if a husband dies, she is free to be, married, to, be, to be married to whom she wishes only in the Lord. Okay, so a couple things we see in this passage. Um, and maybe just uh, clear up a little bit of confusion. So these are, these are just bonuses. But when it says, uh, when Paul says, not I but the Lord, with what he's what I you know he's saying there is is like Jesus what we heard straight from Jesus's mouth the Lord is what I'm about to give to you and then when he says not not the Lord but I he's saying okay we're gonna talk about a situation that Jesus himself didn't specifically address with his lips um, it, but it's still God's truth that he's bearing upon it you know and it's in scripture and so that's one you know confusion point in it um, and I, you know, I, I, there, maybe there's another confusion point. I, I, I've lost it now, but I'm just going to continue going. Um, and so one of the things we learn here is that there's room for divorce in the case of an unbeliever wanting to leave the Christian or the unbeliever abandoning the marriage. That would be a case of desertion, right? They're just, they're just leaving. So if the unbeliever wants to stay, then don't divorce Christians. Stay married. Because God can use the Christian, that marriage, as a means to lead that person to salvation. And, and the kids too, right? It's like, stay there, Christian, love them well, as long as they're willing to stay. Because God will use you to help your whole family come to know the Lord. And then we also see that something we learn here is that physical desertion is as serious as sexual immorality. And grounds for divorce because it breaks the marriage covenant. That's, you're, you're supposed to leave and cleave and become one flesh. But if you abandon that and you're just, you're just gone, the, the marriage covenant's violated. So we, we see that 
as a as principal here. Um, and then, so other grounds for divorce pass the clear grounds as severe sexual morality and desertion. Uh, yes, potentially there could be if they're you know if they rise to that kind of level where the marriage covenant is violated, like physical abuse. Um, and so I, earlier I mentioned Exodus 21.10, so I'll read that here, and we're going to compare Exodus 21.10 to some, some other points we can draw from 1 Corinthians 7. And so Exodus 21.10 says, If he takes another wife to himself, he shall not diminish her food, her clothing, or her marital rights. And if he does not do these three things for her, she shall go out for nothing without payment of money. And they also taught that, you know, she's free to go remarry. Um, and so do we still see some of these concepts of not providing and not having sex as, you know, grounds, biblical grounds for divorce? Um, and I would say, yes, I think we do see that. So in 1 Corinthians 7, 2 and 5, we see that Paul is teaching that spouses have rights for sex in the marriage. He uses that language, like your body's not your own. Um, so don't deprive each other sexually. It's like if, you're, if your spouse wants to have sex, you should have sex with them. Um, and so there's that. Like you see, that, hey, here's these marital rights. Don't deprive each other that way. Verses uh, 10 through 16, spouses shouldn't abandon each other. But if the unbeliever does, the Christian's not enslaved but free. And, you know, we can say, well, free to remarry. Um, and so that kind of language, very similar to what we see in Exodus uh, about this, like, hey, if you're not providing... You've abandoned your spouse, free to remarry. Um, also the same with uh, verse 32 to 35. Um, we see there it just talks about like marriage. Marriage takes a lot of uh, focus. You have to focus on the needs of your spouse and takes away from your focus on the Lord and the interests of the Lord. And so there, that concept of providing too. Um, and so when we look at Exodus 21 and 1 Corinthians 7, we see these some parallels of these basic requirements for the one marriage union covenant and that if this covenant is broken, grounds for the divorce. Uh, um, okay, so now I uh, want to move on and go back to um, Mark 10. And in Mark 10 verses 11 and 12 or Matthew 19 verse 9, it says that... Um, in the house, the disciples asked him again about this matter. And he said to them, Whoever divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery against her. And if she divorces her husband and marries another, she commits adultery. Okay, so what, what I want to, you know, ask here is, is what's going on about remarriage? If they commit adultery, you know, what, what does that even mean? Like if you leave your spouse, you're divorced, you marry another, you commit adultery. And so the way that helps me make sense of this the most is, First, we've laid the foundation that there are legitimate grounds for divorce. And if you do divorce someone, you, you, you are legitimately divorced. That marriage is no longer a thing. So that's, that's one ground. And so if the divorce is gone, then why is he saying still there's room for adultery? And I think the thing that helps me is thinking about um, Jesus' teaching about how lust in the heart is also the sin of adultery. And so that's like Matthew 5, 27, 28. And, you know, it, it, it might seem obvious to some, but 
this can also be profound just to recognize, like, when you look at a woman with lust in your heart and you sin that way, that is not physical adultery. Like, you're not actually having sex with someone. So when we look at that passage, I think we do understand that. And so the question is, okay, well, Jesus doesn't literally mean adultery. Then what is he getting at? And it'd be more, well, he's getting at the heart, the heart of the, the, um, the lust in the heart. When you look at another woman sexually, that is like the sin of adultery, like at the heart of it. They're all, they're, they all have this lust at the, the, the heart. And so in one sense, looking at a woman with lust is like committing adultery. And so similarly, um, when we look at Jesus teaching about divorce and remarriage, you have people who they're divorcing for really bad grounds. They're just like, I don't love this person anymore. I'm leaving um, so I can go remarry somebody else. And he's like, whoa, your heart attitude, this is, this is like adultery. Like you think you're safe and, and doing biblical justice by writing that certificate of divorce over, you know, just like, oh, I don't like you anymore. But no, you, you miss it. It's like your hearts, they're filled with adultery. You just want to abandon your marriage and be with someone else. And so that's, that's, that's how, um, you know, you can read this. Um, the other point is that these other viewpoints, they don't get to that point where they think there's even biblical grounds for divorce. And so they look at it as, okay, you're still married. And so that's why when Jesus says, whoever marries another commits adultery, they're, they're reading that as if you're still married. So, of course, if you marry an, another person, that's, that's adultery because now you're like, you're still married to your original spouse that never ended. So this, this would be adultery. Um, so, yeah, so there's that. Uh, but in light of this idea that we've been building that there are biblical grounds to divorce, I think Jesus Morgan at the heart when he talks about the remarriage and equating that to adultery. Um, there's, a, there's a couple other points on this topic that we'll touch about remarriage um, and after divorce. And uh, I, guess, I guess it's easiest just to say, as a general rule, if illegitimate divorce happens, as, as in you don't, you're, you're, you're divorcing someone because and a reason that didn't really break the marriage covenant, so it's not something clear like adultery, severe sexual morality, um, or, or desertion. Uh, and I'm not saying that it, it is automatically illegitimate outside of those reasons. But, but if somebody do, did get illegitimate divorce, um, then in general, as a rule, both should remain single. And why does the Bible say that? Well, like 1 Corinthians 7.10, it seems like that's because the encouragement is, is that the hope is they would repent and be reconciled and get married again to one another. And so, in general, if you get divorced for illegitimate reason, don't remarry either person. And that often doesn't happen. And so, so that, that's, that's 1 Corinthians 7. Um, but what about if it becomes impossible for remarriage because, one, like, you, you had a bad divorce, someone goes remarry. Well, now you can't remarry that person ever. So, like, are you just to remain single forever? That one, I don't know how to answer that the best. We don't have a clear example in scripture of that, direct teaching on that. Um, and we're in murky, murky waters where you have a divorce that was illegitimate in the first place. So it's like, what do you do? And there, there's 
I think there's a lot of wisdom on that, an area to explore more. Um, um, but, you know, I just I don't have a, a great answer for that. But hopefully this provides us some basic foundation where that can be explored further. Um, another verse, um, we didn't read this, but it says uh, in Matthew 5, verse 32, um, it says that anyone who divorces his wife except on the ground of sexual immorality makes her commit adultery. Um, the, e, the NIV it translates that last part. It says, um, makes her a victim of adultery. So it would be read as, so uh, everyone who divorces his wife, except on the grounds of sexual morality, makes her a victim of adultery. And so what's going on there? Well, then the, the, the verb there that's, that's translated as adultery, um, in this verse, the first part, it is a, a pa- it's in the passive voice in the Greek. And so that's why they translate passively as makes her a victim of adultery. And uh, and then the second part of the verse, um, would stay, it would stay in the active voice. Um, and so that verse, it would uh, seem like I, I, sorry, my point's kind of lost. Um, but the verse, the reason I brought that verse up is just within this conversation, it, uh, it sounds confusing about if you divorce your wife, except on this ground, it makes someone commit adultery. So translating it as in the passive voice um, as victim adultery makes a lot more sense that it's like, okay, if you leave, if you leave your spouse, the person that's left behind, they're, they're a victim of, of your sin. All right, so in summary, um, in Mark 10, in the gospel passages, we see that Jesus is establishing that marriage is from God in the beginning, and that's, it's meant for life. And it's also to glorify God, because it's a picture of how Jesus loves his bride in the church. And divorce, it, it is a thing that God permits because of the horribleness of sin and the consequences of sin um, in hard hearts. And when there's legitimate grounds for divorce, the marriage covenant's br- broken, and, but reconciliation is encouraged first, that the offending party would repent of their sins and that there would be reconciliation. Um, and so that's, that's encouragement because marriage is it's this high view that it should be for life. And so we want to aim for that. And, uh, and thankfully, you know, like God, oftentimes he uses that, that analogy, like we talk about, like God's love for the church as his bride. He never gives up on us, even though we sin greatly against him. And so if we can reconcile, we want to have hearts that do that. And uh, when um, the, two, the two clearest leg- grounds for divorce, biblically, would be sexual morality and desertion. It breaks that one flesh marriage covenant. Um, and that those aren't the only reasons, but other sins that rise to those kind of levels um, where the marriage covenant uh, is broken would fit in that. Um, that could be like physical abuse, other forms of 
uh, severe you know, cruelty or neglect. Um, and for those kind of situations, it's going to take wisdom. It's going to take wisdom and good counsel to figure out, okay, should these people, should this marriage end? We don't want that, but it might need to happen because of hardness of hearts and sin. And the other thing we establish, Christians are free to remarry another Christian if there's uh, biblical grounds for divorce. Um, and, uh, yeah, so that's some of that teaching there. And so, as you can see, this topic's hard. I've struggled with it even just presenting to you guys today. Thank you for bearing with me. Um, but I hope that you see, you know, that God hasn't left us in the dark about important life topics such as these, that he wants us to know how to relate to one another, how to have relationships, how to, how to have sexual relationships, that, man, this is something special, should be done in marriage. And, uh, and when things go wrong, when there's severe sin, divorce is something that can happen, sadly. Um, but we're not, you know, enslaved to these marriages, so... And you know, just kind of bringing it back to the gospel is that Jesus, when he died on the cross for all of our sins, he's doing that to prepare people for himself to make to make us all holy and be a bride ready for Christ's return as a, as a whole. And so, just want to encourage us all. Let's. Let's run to Jesus. Let's turn to Jesus clean there. We, we need to do that if we ourselves have been hurt by sin, if we've felt the stain of divorce, we've felt the stain of adultery, we've felt the stain of sexual morality committed against us. But also, if we have done these sins ourselves, Jesus is there. He's welcoming you with open arms to come find forgiveness, find salvation from your sins. And he, and, and he offers healing. For us all, healing the heart, healing our souls. So, so turn to Jesus. He's merciful. He's welcoming you in. Um, so we'll, we're going to pray now, and the band's going to come up and lead us in worship, uh, musical worship. So, uh, Father, thank you. Thank you for uh, being with us this morning. Thank you for your word. Thank you for teaching us about marriage and the beauty of it. And uh, what to do when, you know, grievous sins break that marriage covenant. Um, Lord, I just pray that uh, you would uh, help one of us, help all of us grow in your truth and uh, understand how much you love us, Jesus, and that we would uh, walk with you. And when we stumble and fall, that you'd pick us back up, Lord, and we would uh, continue to walk with you, knowing that there's nothing here on earth that can separate us from your love that you are faithful even when we're not. In Jesus' name, amen.